Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Most of the people that I've ever talked to about the subject of prayer have confided in me when they were really honest that their prayer life could use a boost. You know, they're, they're believers, they, they're, they're, they've been a Christian maybe for a long time, but when they talk about prayer, they say, yeah, I pray, but it probably could be better. That, that's true of me. I think it's true of most of us. I mean, no matter how much you pray, no matter how good you think your prayer life is, it probably could be better. You know, if you, if you pray three hours every day before you go off to work, which if you do that, more power to you, but if you do, you probably could pray four. You know, I mean, it could always be better. Um, I, I read stories about church history, and, and I've read about our church fathers, many of the church fathers, and some of their practices, and, and, and what, you know, what great men they were, but one guy I read about, they said that when he died, they went into his office, it was an old, you know, this was way back in the day, and, and they went into his office, and he had hardwood floors in his office, in his study, and they said that right next to his office desk was, were these two grooves in the wood where he had knelt and prayed uh, so many times. I mean, I hear things like that and think, wow, wouldn't I love to have that said about me? But then you think, but Brett, that's a lot of praying. <laughs> that's a lot of praying. I read about a guy that used to make it his habit to wake up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray three hours before he would go off to begin his day. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a whole different kind of prayer level. And uh, you might hear that and think, well, I'm not as spiritual as that guy. Well, maybe you are or maybe you aren't. It's not for me to decide that and it's not for us to decide that about one another, we need to be careful about associating, you know, spirituality to people. But listen, you might get up at four o'clock and pray three hours before you go to work, and if you do, that's a great thing and more power to you. You may have worn grooves in your wooden floors at home or on your linoleum tile or your carpet next to your bed, and if that's you and I just described you, then I salute you. I tell you, that's great, and I think you're a wonderful person, but I can tell you, that's not me. I don't think it's most people. Uh, the people that I've encountered in ministry and the people that I talk to about just real-life stuff, when they confide in me things and we're talking honestly and the subject of prayer comes up, that's always one of those things that we think we could probably do better. You know, that's something we could improve upon. So we're going to do this series this morning. It's not a new subject, uh, this matter of prayer. But here's what I would tell you as we get ready to get started. Cross Lane is a church made up of a, a very, very wide range of people. Um, we have people that have gone to church, going here, that have gone to church for years and years. Grew up knee-high to a duck, you know, going to church. And that's all they've ever known is going to church. Sunday comes, they just, I mean, it's just like they're on autopilot. We go to church on Sunday. And then we've also got people, lots of people, I don't, those of you who have been going to Cross Lane for a long time need to know this. We have a lot of people going to church here who didn't grow up in the church. And Cross Lane's the only church they've ever known, which probably might scare some of you to think that, but um, this is the only church they've ever known. And when I pre teach sermons and teach stories about, you know, Gideon or Moses or, or any, anybody, um, and I just assume that you've heard those stories. What I hear a lot of times from people walking out is, Brett, I've never heard that story before because I didn't grow up in the church and no one ever told me. And, 
And, you know, you just assume that I know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. And so, you know, prayer is something that if you've gone to church for a long, long time, you assume everybody knows how to do. But I've known people who've gone to church for a long, long time, and they weren't very good prayers. They really didn't know how. No one had ever taken the time to teach them, or no one had ever done what we're going to do in the next three weeks, which is just stop down and talk a little bit about what prayer is, what it looks like, and, and how it works for us. So that's where we're going to go. Um, I know this. I've never had a conversa- conversation with somebody about prayer that, that they didn't probably at the end admit that they could be better at it. Um, people don't always know the right words to say. Uh, sometimes they think that they don't pray long enough or that they don't pray about the right things. They think they aren't spiritual enough to pray. Some people think they aren't worthy. That whole thing Kyle was talking about, about how we boldly go to the throne. Some people think, Brett, I can't do that. I'm not worthy to to pray. God doesn't want to hear from me. Um, One of the things that I've noticed as I spend time around people, you know, once in a while we'll, when I, when we, when we do the Jesus talk and we're leading someone to Christ, a lot of times I, I want to encourage them to pray to receive Christ. And I'll say, you know, would it, is it going to freak you out to pray in front of me? And they, they're like, yeah, that, that would freak me out. I don't want to do that. So um, we've devised a way to get around that. But, um, it, 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 you know, it scares some people to think about praying in front of someone that's gone to church for a long time or a pastor. It's, it's, you know, they think, I don't want to pray in front of them. That, that wouldn't be good. And people have trouble praying for lots and lots of different reasons. What we're going to do today is we're going to build a simple foundational understanding of prayer today. And then next week, we're going to spend some time talking about unanswered prayer, the mystery, really, of unanswered prayer. And then in week three, we're going to come back and we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer and see what we can learn from the Lord's Prayer. And I think over the next three weeks, you're going to be taught some things about prayer to help you just have a little better prayer life. I mean, you may never get to the place where you're wearing out your hardwood floors uh, again. If you can do that, more power to you. But but if we could just get to a place where we felt more comfortable, if we could just get to a place where we we looked forward to it, you know, where you you felt confident that when you were going to go pray to God, you that you kind of knew what you were doing. I, that's kind of my goal for this series. Um, today, I want to talk about why people don't pray. Why is it so hard? And and why is it that so many people really don't have a great prayer life? I want to give us four reasons right off the bat why people aren't praying like they should. Number one, people aren't sure how to pray. They're, they're just really not, they're unsure about it. They, they hear people pray in public and they think to themselves, boy, I really don't sound like that when I pray. It doesn't sound anything like that when I pray. They don't, you know, do I pray long enough? Do I pray too long? Do I, am I too loud? Am I, you know, Hold my hands the right way. I mean, what's what's this? What's the deal? And then the the second thing is, the reason we don't pray a lot is we get distracted really easy, right? We get bored. Um, we we suffer from there goes the squirrel syndrome is what we stru- suffer from. You know, um, I'll just I said that in the first service and I saw somebody give me the raspberry face like what in the world is he talking about? A lot of you know because you struggle from there goes the squirrel syndrome, right? Um, I certainly do. I do. I, there goes a squirrel in sermons for me sometimes. But, but there goes the squirrel kind of looks like this. I'm praying for like maybe my son Tanner. He's almost 21 years old. He's going to school at IU. He's a sophomore over there. And I might be praying for my son Tanner and, 
and you know thinking the same things that a father thinks about his kid you know is he safe is he is he eating good is that and then I'll think was he does he have food is he because now he's you know he's got the whole apartment thing going on and and he's not going to the cafeteria he's got to feed himself and I'm starting to think okay does he have food in the cupboard because I'm like any other parent I just imagine you open it and there's you know one thing of ramen noodles in there that's all he's got right and so and I'm praying for him, and that's what I'm seeing is ramen noodles, one package of ramen noodles. And now I'm starting to think, oh, th- my goodness, does the kid have food to eat? And does he have any money to get food? It would be, I would be a horrible dad to let my son go to college and not give him money so he can go buy some food. So now I'm wanting to text him to find out if he's eating okay. And then I'm wanting to put money in the account or write a check, you know. And the next thing you know, I've gone from praying for Tanner to banking, online banking, trying to get money in the account, Right. And that's kind of how it is for us. There goes the squirrel. And our intentions are good. We want to be good prayers. We want to be people that are connected to God. But it's just one of the things that keeps us away from it because we think, you know, I start prayers really well. I don't finish them real well. I hear lots of dear heavenly fathers. I don't hear many amens. And so um, that's a problem for us. And maybe that's gotten you completely away from praying because every time you, maybe you try to start praying and you get in a real comfortable place and it's quiet and it's dark and those are optimal conditions to take a nap, and that's what you do, right? So, so we get bored or distracted. Third, we think our requests are too small for God. God is all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, and he's all-present, and why in the world would he be concerned about me and my, the cut on my thumb? Or why would he be concerned about me? And, I, you know, if I'm worried about my dog or my cat, why would God worry about my dog or my cat? Here's what I would tell you. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Now, I don't, I don't know that I've ever prayed for a cat. Don't really see that in my future anytime soon that I'm going to pray for a cat. I got, I got scolded for that on the way out the door today, but, but um, I'm not going to be praying for any cats. If, you, if that's your thing, if that's your bag, you go for it. But, you know, we think to ourselves, why would he be concerned about those kind of things? Because if it matters to you, it matters to him. If it's important to you, it's important to him. And then fourth, we, we really aren't all that sure that our prayers are going to make a difference. I mean, if we're totally honest, that's one of the things that goes through our mind. After all, I prayed this prayer last week and nothing happened. You know, I've been, I've been God already knows. If God, Brett, if God already knows what's going on in my life, why do I need to pray about it? Why do I need to tell God something else that he already knows about me? You know, it didn't really work last time, and why would I expect that it would work this time? Why would this time be any different? So, Many of us go through life truly believing in God, but we kind of have this half-hearted or almost non-existent prayer life. So let's start today with the most basic of of levels, and let's just kind of build from there. And I just want to start with this one working definition of prayer. It's not profound. It's not going to knock your socks off, okay? But prayer is just communicating with God. That's all it is. And here's the thing two lines of communication there's two forms there's a talking and there's a listening right you ever been around somebody that was really good at the talking part but not really good at the listening part that defines most of our prayer lives we're really good at saying things we're not always really good at hearing things and we think oftentimes that the only part of prayer that's really necessary is the talking part and the listening part's kind of optional i'll just tell you right now my best praying that when I look back on times when I've really felt connected to God and really felt like, man, I'm 
I'm in communion, and, and this whole thing, I mean, there's an intimacy here, and I'm, I'm, I'm locked in with God, has not been when I was saying a lot of stuff to God. It's been when I was listening. It's been when, it wasn't when I was asking God questions, it's when God was asking me questions. Like, Brett, what was your motive behind that? Brett, you just asked me for that. Why is that so important to you? Brett, I, I noticed you got upset about that. Why would you be so upset about that? And, and, you know, in those kind of questions that I get from God, God starts to call in my, into question my humility. He calls into question my motives. And, and it's in those questions that I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm, I'm disciplined to become a better person and a better believer and a better representative on, on God's behalf. But a lot of times it comes from the listening, not from the talking part. And the thought is so simple, yet it's so hard to believe that we have access to God. Think about that. We have access to God. Scripture says that we can come boldly before his throne of grace that we might find help in our time of need. It's still hard to imagine that we have access, much less to believe that it's as simple as just communicating with God. So I want us to listen this morning to the words of David in Psalm chapter 5. I'm going to put it up on the wall for you. Um, one of the things we're going to see is, is how we can creatively pray. Our prayer life does not have to look like everybody else's prayer life. And I hope today to kind of break some of you out of this prayer box that you feel like you've been forced into so that you can pray more creatively. I want you to see this morning that, that you don't have to sound like everybody else. And let me... Let me just say this. If you're new to Cross Lane, this is one of the things I want you to know about Cross Lane. Our goal at Cross Lane is not to bring you in here and sit you in rows and, and brainwash you into thinking and talking and acting and singing and praying like everybody else. That's not our goal. I know that might be the goal at some churches is to just churn out cookie-cutter Christians, you know, that they all look the same, they dress the same, they use the same vocabulary, they sing the same songs. We're not interested in that. God has specifically gifted you. God has specific dreams and, and callings that he's put on each one of us. And for us to come in here and, and expect or to try to go out and all look the same and be that vanilla, I just, that's not, I don't see that in God in any, in, 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 through any prism that I see God. I've never seen God that way. I mean, you know, he made 600 different types of beetles, and Lord knows how many kinds of insects there are, and he made the heavens and the earth, he made everything so unique, flowers that are beautiful and colorful. He did not intend for us all to look the same. There's a reason why you have the gifts that you have, and there's a reason why you, you I mean, I just did a, a leadership thing not too long ago where we talked about the four different personality types and, and how they, they all respond differently, and how even within those there are variations. And so that's, that's who we are. I, I'm, I don't want you to think, well, you know, I listen to that person pray, and I listen to that person pray, and that's what I'm supposed to sound like. No, you're supposed to sound like you. You're supposed to sound like you when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're upset, when you're angry, when you're depressed. When you go to God, that's who you're supposed to sound like. So I really want to get across this morning, we're not, it's okay to use your words, it's okay to use your style, it's okay to, to pray in places where you're comfortable, 
Um, you know, somebody may have explained to you that, that the, when they pray, they do it a certain way and in a certain place. That's fine. And if you want to experiment and try that, that's great. But you are not expected to be like everybody else, just trying to get that across. So I think what I would say is that instead of you trying to imitate me and the way I pray or anybody else, I think God would be really honored and I think God would, would just love it if you would just come to him and just be you and just talk to him and have a conversation. So I want to read to you from Psalm chapter 5. These are the words of David. This, is, this particular section I'm reading comes from the Good News Translation. He says, listen to my words, O Lord, and hear my sighs. Now, let's just stop right there and acknowledge something that is a bit unusual. He is asking God to hear his sighs. His sigh is going to be a communication to God. It's going to be a form of prayer. You can listen to a person's sigh, and different sighs signal different things, right? Guys, if you've ever spent time around a lady, you know that there are different sighs coming from females, right? You know that. Like, there's the sigh of frustration. You know, hopefully you don't get that one very often, but it happens. There's the sigh of, like, when I get you away from all these people, you have had it, right? Uh, There's the sigh of exasperation, like, what am I going to do with you? There's the sigh of, you're the most wonderful man in the world, like when you break off a, you know, a ring or a piece of jewelry, and they're like, oh, you know, there's, there's all different kinds. I'm trying really hard not to sneeze right now. Somebody come hit me in the face. That that would do it. Um, There's the sigh when they're content. There's the sigh when they're angry. There's the sigh when they're frustrated. Your kids give you these same kind of sighs. There's the sigh that your 14-year-old daughter gives you. (sighs) You know, that sigh that we we just loathe. All of us just kind of loathe that one. All these different sighs. And God says, David says, I want to talk to you, God. And and even sometimes, I want you to hear my sigh. When I don't even know what to say, when it's just all gone and all I've got is just air. God, we are so intimate that I can sigh toward you and you can acknowledge what I'm saying. Verse 2, listen to my cry for help, my God and King. I pray to you, O Lord. Now here, he's acknowledging that this is not some far off God that you can't know, but this is a God who's very intimate with me. He cares about me. He loves me. He says, consider my cry to you. You are my God. You're my king. You're mine. You're not just the God of everybody else at Cross Lane. I've, I've had people tell me that. Brett, I come to church and, you know, I think, I think God loves everybody else. I just don't think he loves me. I think God's concerned about what, what everybody else has to say, but I don't know if God really all, cares all that much about what I have to say. But, but David's saying, no, I belong to you. I want to talk to you and I want, I want to hear from you. Verse 3, you hear my voice in the morning. Now, I just want you to stop for a minute and think about that life-changing sentence. You hear my voice in the morning. Think about the fact that the God of the universe, the God who created you, hears your voice. There are people that are sitting in this room this morning that do not believe that. There are people who hear that and think, well, that's, you know, it might be true of everybody else, but God's not hearing my voice. The creator and sustainer of the universe, the person who made you, made the sun, moon, and stars, and all the beauty you see in the world, 
hears your voice. He loves you immensely. I, I've, I've said this before. I'll say this a lot of times before I finally do pass away. But I've, I've said that if, if, if they ever came to me and said, Brett, you've got 10 seconds to live. You're going to die of a heart attack in 10 seconds. Here's your congregation. What do you want to say to them? I, I would get up here and I would say as many times as I could to you before I drew my last breath, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Because it's my experience as a pastor, I talk to a lot of people. And, and the one thing that I hear more than anything is this idea that God does not really love me. It's really hard to convince adults that God loves them. But the fact of the matter is, he's crazy about you. He's immensely in love with you. He's, he, you're the apple of his eye. You, he's nuts about you. You hear my voice in the morning. At sunrise, I offer my prayer and wait for your answer. What do I do? I wait for your answer. God, you're so good. You've been so faithful, and I know you, and I know you're good. And So God, here's what I'm thinking about, and, and I'm waiting, and you're going to do something, God, and I don't know if it's what, what I'm asking you to do. I don't know if it's something better than I'm asking you to do. I don't know if it's going to be completely 180 from what I'm asking you to do, but God, I wait, and I know your heart, and I know your character, and I know you love me, and I know you're going to do what's best for me, and I can't wait to see what it is. I take you back to verse 1. Listen to my words, O Lord, and hear my sighs. I'm leaning into you, and I wait to see what you will do. I wait for your answer. Now, this is not how I grew up, right? This is not what I was taught growing up when I was learning to pray as a little shaver, four, five, six years old. I, I take you back to when I was that age, I was, in, I was in Camelsburg, Kentucky. You've probably never been to Camelsburg, got no reason to go to Camelsburg. But in Camelsburg, Kentucky, there is an old church known as the First Christian Church. That church was so Christian, my first grade Sunday school teacher's name was Mrs. Christian. That's how Christian that church was, right? And at, this is a true story. When I was in the first grade, Mrs. Christian brought me to my mother and said, this young man's going to be a preacher one day. How did she know? And the cool thing is she got to hear me preach before she passed away. It was really pretty neat. But I remember going into to the first Christian church as a little guy. My mom used to make me wear, you know, shirts with a collar and a tie, and it was awful. And, and I, would, I, would, I can remember sitting in that. I can still see that, that we call this an auditorium because we do things in here that you wouldn't want to refer to it as a sanctuary. But uh, they called that room the sanctuary huge pipe organ up front you know i'm talking you know the big i was fascinated by that pipe organ they would hit that thing and it would blast us out of there it was great and and then on the wall on the sides they had these these grand uh stained glass windows that that on one side it told the story of the of the uh temptation of christ and on the other it had just different scenes from the life of christ the one i remember is of jesus when he's in the garden and he's praying, it's that famous picture that we've all seen with that long blonde hair, which I don't think Jesus had, but, but the picture was always cool. And he's leaning against that rock, you know, and he's looking up and the light shining down and he's asking God if this cup could be passed, you know, if, if, it, if it be your will. I can still see that stained glass window and the hardwood pews with no cushion. And the hardwood floor, and we would sing those old hymns, and it would reverberate, and that organ would get going. I can, I can, I can smell it even to this day, and I can, I can remember when when the, 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 everything would kind of die down, and and the old men would rise up, and 
they all had on suits, you know, and they would all come gather around the communion table, and, and I knew that was a quiet time. And I knew something special was going to happen, and I knew better than to ever go close to that table. I saw those great, to me, the, the, at, you know, five, six years old, the, the, um, the communion where the, the silver or gold or whatever it was, it looked massive, and I just wondered how heavy it was. And, and of course, I, was, I hadn't been baptized yet, so I knew I wasn't going to drink that juice. And I would watch my mother take, take that juice and drink it, and, and I would listen to those old men stand around that table and pray. And I heard the these and the thous in this flowery language, and they prayed in ways that I, I just couldn't even imagine. That's what I thought praying was. And then I got a little older, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. We moved away. We went to a, a bigger city. We went to a different church. And, and uh, it was a, I, it was a, I grew up in a great church. I'm not going to say it was better than that little church. That's not what I mean to say at all. But just a different experience where they taught me much of what I'm going to teach you this morning, that, that you're an individual and God wants to hear from you and God's intimately concerned about you and he wants to hear what your words are and what's on your mind. And when you pray, it doesn't have to be thee and thou and you know, we beseech thee, O Father. I mean, who, who does that? You don't talk to your wife that way. You don't talk to your kids that way. You see, if you're blessed with kids, I'll bet that you relate in intimate ways with your kids. I have three kids. In fact, you don't even have to have kids to understand what I'm about to say. I have three kids. They're all unique. And the way I talk to them privately when it's just one-on-one -on -one, the way I talk to each one of them is different the way I would talk to Bennett my oldest is way different than the way I would talk to my daughter Delaney partly because he's the firstborn and she's the third the last one you know I mean isn't that true the firstborn we take all kinds of pictures we get we get footprint certificate things and you know we get the picture of them in the hospital with the little beanie on their head and the whole deal and by the time the third one rolls around we're just lucky they've got a car seat to ride home in right I mean that's pretty much the way it is so so that kind of drives some of it, but I was way harder on Bennett than I was on Delaney. The way I talked to Tanner would be entirely different, especially when I was coaching the boys in, in sports. Um, I, could, I could really get on Bennett and, and encourage him sternly, and Tanner was a lot more like me, sensitive little flower of a guy, and you, don't, you, you just can't, you can't, I can't yell at Tanner the way I can yell at Bennett. I just can't do it, because it, it, I won't... I won't get the response. I won't get the, the, the kind of the reaction that I want. Bennett kind of relishes, you know, he wants to be pushed. He likes to be coached. And what works with one doesn't necessarily work with another. We connect in different ways with different people. And, and God understands that about you. God understands what your love languages are. God understands what's important to you. He, he wants to hear your voice. He doesn't want to hear you try to imitate somebody else. Some of you think that praying is, you know, you got to get down on your hands and knees and fold your, your hands before you go to bed at night, and boy, you better not go to sleep when you're praying, because that'd be bad. But I'm here to tell you, you going to sleep while you're praying may be one of the most beautiful, intimate things that you ever do with God. I mean, have you ever been talking to one of your kids, and they fell asleep in the middle of the conversation? Did you get mad at them? No. You thought it was sweet. You thought, how great that, that they... they they're so safe and they feel so secure that they, they would be able to go to sleep while they're talking to me. I think that's what God would think. Some of you like to sing. Maybe you should sing your prayers. We, we were at Catalyst this week and we, last night we went to a restaurant and 
uh, our waiter was, as he was serving us, he was singing, humming and singing. And finally, Tracy said, are you a singer? And he said, well, actually, how did you know that? And he said, well, you haven't shut up since you came in, you know. <clears throat> so we got him to sing for us, you know, and, and uh, it, was, it was great. I'm sure if that dude's a Christian, he sings his prayers. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. I've told this before, but it's a great story. This is going to, I'm going to find out how old you are right now, okay? How many of you know who Mel Tillis is? Let me see. That's what I thought. There's a bunch of people going, who in the world is Mel Tillis? Mel Tillis is a country singer, and, and he, if you know about Mel Tillis, you know that he stutters. He, he has a hard time speaking. He's a great guy. He just seems like a really nice guy, but he has a hard time speaking. And he tells this, I heard this story probably 30 years ago. He tells this story about how he and, I don't know if it was a road manager or who he was with, but they were traveling on the road, and they were in this hotel room for the night, and, and uh, Mel is asleep in his bed, and all of a sudden he hears a rustling in the room, and he opens his eyes, and he sees some dude going through their pockets, and he's ripping them off. And Mel was smart enough to know that if he tried to wake his manager up to tell him what was going on, he would stutter, and the guy would get out, and, or, you know, it, would be, it wouldn't be good. So <laughs> Mel said, the only thing I knew to do was to sing. So he said, I said, there's a man in the room and he's getting in our pockets and we got to get him out of here. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, maybe that's the way you pray. Maybe that's the way you connect to God. Maybe it's you're driving down the road and you're listening to WBGL and you hear a song and you think, man, God, that, that song says exactly what I want to say to you. God, make that song my prayer. That doesn't make you lazy. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that God doesn't know what's on you. Sometimes you can hear something and, and say, Man, God, they said exactly what I want to say to you. They just said it in a way that, that I want to say it to you. Um, you know, some of you are writers. Maybe you write your prayers out in a journal. Um, I, I keep an on, a journal on my computer. I, I'm too afraid to write one in a book where anybody would read it. Do not want that to happen. But but I keep one that I can type, and I, many times I've sat down and just started typing. Not, don't care about typos, don't care about capitalization or punctuation, just banging out my prayers. And, and it's really interesting to go back and read those and see you know, where you showed maturity and where you showed a lack of maturity and where you, you prayed for good things and where at times you, you're, you're like, really, that was important to you? I mean, that's what you thought you should be praying about? Others of you might pray during routine tasks of the day, you know, folding laundry or, uh, you know, mowing the grass or whatever it is that you might do. You might just praise because you're in the mood, because your day's going so well. But whatever it is, you're so with God that you can do life with him in prayer, that it's just kind of this thing that you do together, that you have the courage. I want you to have the courage to break out of this idea that I've got to be like everybody else and my prayers have to sound like everybody else's prayers. Prayer is communicating with God. Now let me show you real quickly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> real quickly. Real quickly. All right. Nancy, we're going to go fast, okay? Four things that I want you to know about prayer. And I'm just going to skip a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry I didn't realize we were so late. The first thing I want you to know is you've got to be gut level honest. Okay? Just be honest with God. If things aren't going good and you're ticked off, tell God that. If you're happy and you're elated, let God know that. If you're confused and you don't know the answer, tell God that. Um, we, we just, 
what would, what would I think if my kids walked in to ask me for the keys of the car and they said, oh, dear father, we beseech thee for the keys to the car. I would, you know, smack them. You don't do that. Moses in the Bible talked to God in ways that, you know, you would think, ooh, I don't know that I'd want to talk to God that way. Nancy, I'm going to skip that. Um, the second way we, we, we need to know, learn how to talk to God is we need to learn to talk to God about everything that matters to us. Talk to God about everything that matters. I don't care how minuscule you think it is. If it's on your mind, if it's coming between you and a person or you and God, you've got to talk about it. What matters to you? Take it to God in prayer. Philippians talks about just lifting everything up. When you're anxious, just take it to God in prayer. There's a whole list of people in the Bible that prayed about different things. I could just go down through a list of people who prayed for things that you would think, well, that's kind of odd to pray for, but it was important to them at the time, and they brought it before God, and they prayed about it. The, The third thing I want you to know is that we're going to talk to God continually. Talk to God continually. I don't know that I say very many amens through the day. Uh, my, my prayer life is just this thing where it's just a continual God. Like just this morning, I was talking to somebody about their health. They've had a health scare. And when I left them, I, my prayer was, was not just a, you know, it wasn't a dear Heavenly Father, I want to just stop it. It was just like, God, you just heard that conversation. You know they're scared. I know they're scared. I wanna, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I know they're scared. God, if there's anything I can do for them, would you show me what it is? Would you calm them today? Would you let them know? And, and then just go on about, and the next thing I know, I'm talking to somebody else. Never really said an amen. Never really said a dear Heavenly Father. It's just a continual thing. There's a British evangelist named Smith Wigglesworth. Now, I don't know what your name is, but be thankful today that your name is not Smith Wigglesworth. He said, I never pray longer than 20 minutes, and I never go really longer than 20 minutes without praying. What he was saying was, I'm praying all the time. I don't really say a dear Heavenly Father, and I don't really have an amen. I'm just kind of praying all the time. The last thing I would say is this. Talk to God and listen for his response. Listen for his response. I think in any relationship you're in, if all you're doing is talking, that's probably a horrible relationship. If you're not ever listening, if you don't ever listen to somebody else, the relationship's not going to last. He speaks to us in all sorts of ways speaks through sermons, he speaks through circumstance, he speaks through the Bible, he, he speaks through music, he speaks through your friends, he speaks through, through confidants, godly people that you're with all the time. He's always speaking. The, here's the thing, if you're listening for God to speak to you, he will speak to you. He is trying to get your attention. He is trying to say something to you. Often we just haven't slowed down long enough to hear it. God wants to say something to you today that could possibly change the course of your life. Prayer is communicating with the God of the universe. Now let me say this last thing before we close. The, for some of you in the room, for someone, I'm sure, the, the, I would say this, the reason we can boldly go to the throne of grace is because Jesus died for us and saved us. But for some of you, the first conversation that needs to happen is the conversation where you say, God, I, I want to know you better, and I want to give my life to you. And I believe you died on the cross, and I believe that your, your death forgives me of my sin. I know I need a Savior. I know I'm never going to be good enough on my own. God, I love you. I want to give my life to you. I want to become a Christian. Now, it may freak you out to think about doing that in front of all these people, but if you want to talk to somebody about that, please seek us out. 
please come let us know that that's something that's on your mind and on your heart. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to be saved. And that's the very first conversation that you need to have. For the rest of us, can I just pray a real simple, brief prayer uh, over us this morning? Father, we love you. And we very humbly come to you this morning and we thank you for making a way for us to come to you boldly before the throne of grace. And so, Lord, my prayer is just going to be really simple as I tell you that we love you and as I pray for these and ask you to, to help them to pray simple, authentic, beautiful prayers to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.